Hey everyone, welcome to the Midtown Midweek where we take the sermon on Sunday and dive more into the text as we continue the conversation from Sunday. I'm here with our pastor from Midtown Lexington, Michael Bailey. How we doing? Doing well. Hey everybody. To recap, we talked about 1 Timothy 2 and you took essentially what you said in the sermon, one of the most debated verses <laughs> in the last yeah. however many years. And we kind of, we went talked, with it. We talked about it for about 30 minutes. And I, my guess is no follow-up questions needed. I, you know, I don't even know why we're doing a midweek podcast this yeah, week because no, I mean, we just covered everything. It's very simple. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right. When we plotted this sermon out, uh, this whole series out, however long ago, it may have been a year ago, this was one of the sermons where we're like, oh, who's going to teach that? So (laughs) had no idea that COVID-19 was going to happen and then it was only going to be one person. But man, I thought, yeah, you did a great job. Oh, thanks. It was certainly, certainly a difficult one to do because there was so much that could be said about this. I mean, I think the quote that I gave was that, you know, it's the most, it is the most, um, written about scrutinized verse, verse 12 specifically in recent scholarship. I mean, papers and books and all kinds of stuff have just been written on it over and over and over again. So there's a lot of info you could try to jam in there. I'm not going to lie. When I was preaching it, I had so much that I already wanted to say and like get it in the sermon that I felt like, and I probably was like flying through things just because it was like, all right, we need to hit this and we need to hit this and we need to hit this. So for anybody who's listening, if I was moving at a lightning speed, that's why I just had a lot to say and I wanted to get it in there, you know, and not keep you there for, for an hour or whatever. But, uh, it was a fun one to preach, you know, while, even though it was a bit difficult with this podcast, we don't want to give people just another resource, but the whole point of this is we want people to be engaged with scripture so that they can be with Jesus and become more like him. So I know there was a whole lot that didn't make it to the sermon. So Bailey, I'll just hand it off to you. What were some things that didn't make the sermon that you really wish could have. Yeah, sure. I'll throw, I'll throw this out here just as a, you know, auxiliary thing. You know, so there was, there was a piece of me that I wanted to do a little bit more work or just even show some of the uh, other side of interpretation with some of these verses uh, that I was just limited in my uh, scope and ability to do uh, because there really is so much good scholarship out there when it comes to this text. And I think if anybody wants to act like there's not like that, their side is the only right side and that there aren't thoughtful people on the other side of the aisle uh, who have parsed these verses out and are trying to be faithful to the scriptures. I think they would be very disingenuous and dishonest, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, because there's just a lot here and a lot of godly people have put in a lot of really good work to help us understand why they land where they land. And now, obviously we landed in a particular position with male eldership and and that kind of thing. But there's a lot of equally good uh, content uh, out there on the other side that really gets down into the original languages. I, I won't go into all of that, uh, but it would commend to folks the resources for, uh, this is a nonprofit called the Christians for Biblical Equality. Uh, they've put together some really great research that's sort of on the other end of the aisle than where we land. I mean, they just do some really, really good work. One of my good friends uh, who serves on our teaching team, uh, Lizzie, you know, she she put me onto them and I, I definitely commend uh, their research for folks who are interested in diving in and maybe even just seeing some of the other side of the argument uh, for lack of a better way of talking about it. Uh, but as far as things that specifically didn't get brought into the sermon itself. So there was a lot that I wanted to do with verse 15 because verse 15 
it's just so expansive. Like it could mean so many things. And obviously the one that I think made good. And, and to recall verse oh, 15. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So for, I mean, I'm sure everybody's already listened to the sermon, but in case you have We all have this yeah. verse memorized, <laughs> but for those who don't. Uh, verse 15 is the one that says that she will be saved through childbearing. Uh, and so obviously that's a weird thing for Paul to say. Uh-huh. And the angle that we took in the sermon was that kind of fitting in with the rest of the context, it seemed most likely to me anyway, uh, that he was specifically using that example as just as an example of something only women can do and trying to uphold a, the value of female contribution to the church of God. Uh, but also that we are sanctified as we step into uh, our different roles as men and women. Uh, but another way of looking at that verse that I thought was equally compelling, and if not equally likely, uh, is instead of connecting the she there back to verses 11 and 12, is instead it being connected back to verses 13 and 14 to Eve uh, and talking about how Eve will be saved through childbearing and it being this like cool little illusion or uh, connection that Paul is making to the fact that even though Eve was the first to eat the fruit and be deceived through her seed was going to come one who was going to crush the head of the snake, uh, mm-hmm. that the savior of the world was going to come through the woman. And that this is Paul's way of lifting up and highlighting women as a part of the church saying that, Hey, if it weren't for women, we wouldn't have salvation. So don't anybody get this twisted and get it wrong that women don't have equal contribution and wonderful things to add to the church, uh, because they do. Otherwise, we would be dead in our sin, you know, mm-hmm. which I think is really beautiful and worth bringing up. I do think it's worth mentioning uh, because it's a really encouraging perspective to take on that verse. Yeah. There was even a recent article in the Gospel Coalition about that one verse. Oh, yeah. Saying uh, maybe it's talking about Jesus. Either way, it's it's encouraging. It's uplifting to women, whichever interpretation you take. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that and that's really I think what Paul is going for regardless of how you want to parse it out is he's he's trying to uplift both the contributions of men and women within the church and that this is for our good. It's always for our good. God has something for us in this as men as women. Like he wants us to be more like Jesus as whatever gender we are. That there are unique things he intends to give to us as we faithfully express biblical masculinity and biblical femininity. Yeah, absolutely. What else didn't make the sermon? A lot, a lot of it was, you know, I wanted to be able to just speak a little bit more directly and encouraging, you know, towards, towards our church family to really help us embrace and walk in this. And so there was a piece of me where I wanted to get to talk a little bit about the team sport nature of the church. Uh, So Jim Putnam, uh, he's a pastor out in Idaho. I think he wrote a book called Church as a Team Sport. uh, And I think it's a really great way of looking at what we are called to do, uh, that this ministry that we are engaged in, like it is an all of us thing. Uh, we need everybody contributing. You know, it's, there's a really easy default that people have in our culture to think that ministry is the stuff that is supposed to get done by the paid professionals. So the pastors, they're supposed to do the ministry. I'm just supposed to kind of hang out and do my thing and receive what they give me. But that is not how the Bible talks about it at all. Like the Bible talks about we're all gifted and we're all meant to contribute. Uh, and we all have a role to play in what God is doing in the world. And, and so I, I really would have liked to have gotten to hit on that a little bit more to just get to say to us, like, listen, man, when, when I say the words, we are less without you, I mean that the Bible means that like mm-hmm. you, whoever you are, whatever gender you are, have something meaningful to contribute to what God is doing in our world. Like you have a role to play. And I, I mean, just, I, I, 
say this another way. And like, I, I really want us as a people to be able to highlight that and embrace that and celebrate that in one another, uh, regardless of whether or not we're men or women. Um, just, I just think that's a big nugget that I would have liked to have spent a little bit more time on than I did. Uh, but just think it's worth, worth mentioning even here. Yeah. I know that our church, I I know it's like this downtown. I believe it's this way with Lexington and Toonage, but such a high, high percentage of people serving on Sundays and in life groups. Mm -hmm. And it's incredibly encouraging, especially it just feels like the more we progress in culture, progress, quote unquote, the harder it is to continue being a faithful Christian and yet seeing hundreds of people serving to help support the church. That is one thing. There's a giant list of things why I love our church, Mm -hmm. but serving specifically is one thing I especially love about us. Yeah, absolutely. Some uh, some other things that I kind of wanted to at least have some opportunity to talk about with, with the sermon or didn't get to get in there. Uh, was just all the contributions of women that we see throughout the scriptures. Like just to lend some biblical evidence to what we're talking about when we say that women have a role to play and it's not a quiet role, it's a speaking role. Uh, Mm -hmm. There are tons of examples throughout scripture where women are primary disciplers and primary teachers for people growing in uh, their faith. And so like, I mean, even Timothy himself is an example of this. So I'll just rally out uh, like, round off a bunch to you just to kind of lend credence to this. But like what we learn from scripture is like Timothy, he was taught to follow Jesus by his mother and grandmother. Like they instructed him. Priscilla, along with her husband Aquila, taught Apollos so that he could preach the gospel more accurately. Uh, You know, we have all these examples of Jesus recruiting male and female uh, folks to be his disciples and obey all his commands. Uh, There's Phoebe mentioned, I think it's Phoebe, is that her name? Yeah, Yeah, Phoebe mentioned in Romans 16. Mm -hmm. uh, And the word used to describe her, like in the English it comes comes out as servant, right? Um, But it's actually the Greek word uh, diakonos or diakonos, however you say it, I don't know how you Mm -hmm. say it. And it's the same word that we use for deacon, right? Uh, And so literally what he's actually saying there is Phoebe the deacon, Phoebe the deacon of, uh, you know, so-and-so's church. It's just like, man, that that's the role that Phoebe is playing in that, in that space, you know, which is huge. Like, I mean, that is a weighty responsibility that Phoebe is carrying. And so, I mean, anybody who wants to say something like, oh, the, the Bible is patriarchal, you know, like it's all about the men, women are relegated. It's like, nah, it's really, really not. Women are all over the place playing meaningful, meaningful roles. Uh, and that's important for us to see and acknowledge and model ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. What were some other things? So this goes back to a little bit of what I was saying earlier. Um, but one of my fears with this passage is that we get so concerned and consumed with getting it right that we fail to just be faithful with it. Mm. Uh, and in some respects, I view this passage almost as a warning for something that it's not even about. Mm. <laughs> uh, but namely that there is this temptation, especially I think in American church culture, but probably church culture at large, uh, to want to quarrel and squabble about what's the right way to interpret this instead of to actually take steps of faithfulness and follow Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I, I seem to find that a lot in I mean, I see it in myself because I'm, I mean, I'm a guy who, like, I love being right. Like, I mean, when Ant was talking about last week, like, doesn't it feel good to win an argument? I'm like, you're darn right it does. feels mm-hmm. great. Oh, yeah. It's like a drug, uh-huh. you know? <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> like, I am there, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I find even in myself sometimes this 
desire to like, okay, well, if I can just get this right, that's what matters. And what matters is my correct interpretation of this verse instead of my faithfulness to Jesus from it, instead of me walking faithfully, you know, out of it. Uh, and so for me in the process of just like how this was striking me and how it was kind of shaping me as a person, it was some of that. It was like, man, Father, please protect me from just trying to get the verse right and not actually live it out and not actually embody the truth that you are presenting here. Uh, because that's a pitfall for me. And I imagine it's a pitfall for a lot of the folks in our church as well. Yeah. I think that is a good warning for us, people who love the Bible. Jesus loved the Bible. We want to study the Bible. That's what this is all for is to be saturated with God's word, to love Jesus more. And going back to week one of this sermon, that the the aim of our charge is love. That's so right. is this helping me become a person of love that looks more and more like That's Jesus? Right. That's right. And I feel like with even in the last year or two, there have been people who have written lots of commentaries and books who yeah. we've perhaps even quoted who have come out and have actually said some very misogynistic things. Yeah. And yeah. it's awful and terrible. And Absolutely. that is a warning for people like us to see, oh my goodness, you can be so correct yeah. on everything and yet yeah. totally blow it. That's right. It's very interesting how on both sides of the aisle, on how you approach this, we can fail to remember that the people on the other side of the aisle are image bearers of God too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest travesties in the way that American culture and even American church culture handles controversy and disagreement is we are so quick to, in some respects, dehumanize the person who thinks differently than we do or, uh, you know, or just, you know, just approach things a little bit differently than we do. And I think, I think at times that can be a glaring hole in our holiness. If that's, Oh, that'll preach. That'll preach. Uh, (laughs) uh, But yeah, no, I mean, just to remember like, to approach everything with charity and humility, uh, knowing that this person who sits across the table from me is someone who is loved by God, who is made in God's image. And they're, and so they are worthy of my respect no matter what, you know, uh, even if I disagree with what they do or what they say, they still deserve my respect because of who made them. I think Absolutely. that's huge. Yeah. And what unites us ultimately is the person and work of Jesus right. and not our theological secondary tertiary views. That's right. In fact, what it when it comes down to it, what is of the utmost importance, what is of first importance, as Paul mm-hmm. talks about in first first Corinthians fifteen, is right. who Jesus is and what he has done. And honestly, I think Jesus shines all the more when we put our secondary and tertiary opinions right. aside and say, you know what, I'm gonna love this person and be committed to them because I'm church family. That's right. That's right. That's that's how the world will know. That's right. And there's no, like, none of this is to say that there aren't far-reaching implications for how you interpret this verse. There are, certainly. And I'm not saying that those don't matter. They do. Mm -hmm. But it's not like a different understanding of this verse is denying, like, the divinity of Jesus. Yeah. You know, it's not denying the resurrection. So, like, we've got to, the way we like to talk about it is open-handed and close-handed issues. Like, there are certain issues that we are going to be close-handed on. And what that means is we're going to fight over these because these are essential to being a Christian. If you don't believe these, you're not a Christian, period. Yeah. And then there are other things that are open-handed, meaning that we can have some robust dialogue about them. And at the end of the day, like our church will probably take a position on one of these, but they're not things that we're going to quarrel over. They're not going to be things that we're going to break fellowship over because at the end of the day, you can still be a Christian and hold this faithfully. You know? Yeah. 
I'm thinking about specific people in our church family who disagree with us on open-handed issues. Mm-hmm. And they are some of the most faithful, I love them. Jesus loving people I've ever met. I know. I want to be more like them. Yeah. To be honest with you. Genuinely. Yeah. I do. They're wonderful. Yeah. Anything else, Bailey? Yeah. So, you know, when I think about coming and doing the midweek podcast, I know one of the questions you at least asked me the last time was how has your study and your preparation devotionally impacted you? And I've mentioned some of that already up to this point. Uh, But I think one of the ways that this text has really been working on my soul recently is really the same word that I gave to our brothers at the end of it, but just that component of honor. Uh, And I really want to become a person who honors the contributions of my sisters uh, in, in our church, uh, in the work of God, all of that, like that. I really feel like that is a way that we as God's people can really um, shine the light of Jesus, for lack of a better way of talking about it, yeah. into into our world and into e- each other uh, by just becoming a people who celebrate one another, who hold each other, who outdo one another in showing honor, to quote Paul in, in other places. Uh, so for me, that, that was a huge thing of just wanting to become a person who really does lift up and celebrate the contributions of of my sisters and my brothers for that matter, but specifically in regards to this text, um, the women in our church family. Yeah. Every player on the team counts. That's right. And I know for downtown, we have more women than men that are serving. And, uh, I think about our church right now. And, uh, even though we're all quarantined, our church is still pretty healthy, all things considered. And it is in large part due to the overwhelming majority of women who are actively engaged in life groups, leading life yeah. groups. We have more women life group leaders and coaches than there are men. Yeah. And so just very thankful. Yeah. As we wrap up our time, I just want to say, if you have questions about this passage or as you're reading ahead for First Timothy, go ahead and email us. Our contact info is in the show notes, as well as the resources that Michael mentioned and I mentioned. Those are going to be in the show notes as well. So I'd encourage you to go ahead and look at those. And Michael, again, thank you so, so much for teaching and preaching. It was really great. Thanks, man. Appreciate you guys.